It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, hurrah, boys, hurrah. Down with the trainer, up with the star, while we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of Thank you for staying tuned to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on KNews FM 98.5. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases, and it has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional city ordinances and to represent both Republican candidates and the Democratic Party. I also represent farming, industrial, and commercial landowners. And I have served the Superior Court repeatedly as special master. On Slow County Public Policy and the Law, office holders, candidates, lawyers, journalists, and activists inform you about policies shaping your lives. That focus brings folks with differing viewpoints without being attacked to tell you about how they think your community can be improved even if I or station management disagree with a guest's ideas. In the last hour, I had a chance to talk with Joe Torica, editor of the San Luis County Tribune. If you are only getting your news about local government from one source, that is a mistake. Even if you disagree with the editorial policies of a news organization, you, sh- you should subscribe and get the information that they provide. Subscribe to calcosnews.com. Subscribe to the Slow County Tribune. That way you will get to know things that one or the other misses or didn't report on. And, of course, there's the Atascadero News, the Paso Robles Daily News, the, um, the New Times. This hour, I am so pleased to have candidate for 30th Assembly District, Dalila Epperson, back on the show. Dalila was only able to come on last week's show for one of our shorter segments, and I wanted to give listeners a chance to find out more in depth about what she hopes to achieve as a Republican in the California Assembly. Welcome to the show, Dalila. Oh, thank you so much, Stu. It's so good to be back, and I am just honored to be here. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you back. And I, why don't you remind our listeners about the uh, boundaries and communities that make up the 30th Assembly District? My pleasure. So District 30 is the California coastal side of Monterey. Um, and then we take in Santa Cruz, but just the just a couple cities in there, like Capitola, uh, Live Oak, Pajaro Dunes, Pleasure Point. SoCal? Then we go south. Uh-huh. Sorry? Is SoCal uh, part of that? SoCal? So- SoCal is a little town there. I, I just don't know which side of the line it's on. Ah, let's see. It doesn't look... No. Okay. I don't... No, it's not. All right. Sorry. All right. It's just a tiny part of Santa Cruz, uh, Capitola, Aptos. Okay. Just a little part of it. But... Yeah. Okay, so and then we go south into San Luis Obispo, and I actually encompass 90% of San Luis Obispo. So you go all the way to the Kern County line. I do. Okay. I do. And um, last week you told uh, our listeners how um, uh, 
basically the needs of school children and how they were treated and being educated uh, is what got you into politics. It really got me neck deep into politics. I've always been kind of on the fringe as a volunteer. Um, but yes, when I found out what was going on with the curriculum, it, it's horrifying. It really is. And it doesn't make sense. It absolutely does not make any sense whatsoever. I got in neck deep. Um, this kind of coincides with other volunteer things that I've done throughout my life, uh, Red Cross volunteer, and then most recently, just a few years back, on an anti-human trafficking team uh, with a local church. So it kind of just jives all together really well with where my heart is. Um, so finding out about the curriculum, I started digging into the legislation to see if, you know, what can we do about this? This is not good. <laughs> Come to find out the legislation is promoting everything that we're seeing in the curriculum. Well, now and let's, let's, it, let's talk about yeah. what um, that curriculum, uh, what's good about it and what's bad about it. The curriculum I'm referring directly to is there are books that are recommended on the state uh, education board's website that, for example, the worst one, because it's graphic and because it's age 10 and up, there's a book called It's Perfectly Normal. Now, this book is by Robbie Harris and Michael Emberley, and this book is extremely extremely graphic and it's for right there on the front cover for 10 years old and up and it's highly recommended it's a 99 percent of our schools well, you say graphic what i mean uh, are they uh, what's it about well it's supposed to be about your changing body growing up uh sexual health but when you open it and start looking at it, you can actually see very live-type pictures of a girl with a girl, a boy with a boy, and so on and so forth, with very, in very graphic detail. It, it, are these in sex, sexual acts? I'm sorry? Are these sexual acts depicted? Yes, they okay. are in bed. Okay. Well, folks, this is Slow County Public Policy and the Law. You're listening to Assembly Candidate Delila Epperson. And, um, you know, besides, besides those kinds of uh, curriculum items, are there other parts of the curriculum that uh, you felt were inappropriate and that could be improved? Yes, definitely. Uh, the parts of the curriculum that I'm looking at and that we have been seeing is that these are forced parts of the curriculum where it's LGBTQ plus sexual acts that are being pushed on the children at an extremely young age. Um, we even show that there are calendars. It's called Sex on the School Calendar. And this is from the Capital Resource Institute, you know, in Sacramento, that they have the whole calendar dedicated to sex. And I'll give you an example. September, Bisexual Awareness Week. October, LGBTQ History Month. October, Banned Books Week. Now, at first this sounds terrible, and then you find out it's actually parents trying to take out these sex act books. I'll jump over to December, Pansexual Pride Day. Now, where, where, is, where is this calendar? Day. 
ahead. Where is this calendar? This calendar is on the Capital Resource Institute. Uh, it's www.capitalresource.org. Okay. And is that uh, that's part of the California government, or is it something else? No, that's it's. Uh, they've incorporated this into California schools. Okay. What would you do if you were in the state legislature to change that? First of all, every parent, every family should have a choice. And in order to have a choice, they have to have knowledge about what's going on. So my first things would be to make sure that every parent, every family that sends their child to school, any school, not just public, but private, charter, etc., understands the curriculum that their school is pushing on the children, because that is not out there on mainstream media. You have to really dig deep to get, to find out what's on the curriculum. So, uh, outing disinformation would be number one. Well, what, what would you do? What would you process, do? What would you do? What law would you pass uh, if you wanted to make sure that uh, parents uh, had that kind of information? I would pass a law that would every piece of information that's taught in the school shown in the library, anywhere on school campuses, the parent must be aware of this. That's the kind of legislation I would put out there, that this must happen. Every parent must be notified of the curriculum and every part of the curriculum. That includes videos, uh, YouTube clips, speakers. That needs to happen immediately because that's not being done. So that's the legislation that I would author. Okay. And now, that's not being done. Now, um, Dalila, the last week, uh, I, I just want to touch a little bit, and then we'll go on to some other items. We Right at the end, you uh, were talking about the uh, federal leases uh, for offshore wind production that had been uh, let uh, off of Cambria, uh, about 20 miles off Cambria and about 20 miles off of the community of Ragged Point. Uh, that are mm-hmm. just at the northern end of this county. Um, and I wanted to talk with you about that. Um, mm-hmm. that is wind energy something uh, that you disfavor, or is it something that uh, you support by itself? Just, you know, where not, not necessarily uh, talking about where it's going to be. No, at this point and at the stage where it's at, I am in disfavor of it. It's not working. It's not working the way we need it to work. They're not recyclable. Ask Texas. They have uh, Hmm. wind turbines all over the place in landfills that cannot be recycled, and they're changing them out every two years now. Really? And it's not working. Mm -hmm. Sweetwater, Texas in particular, has a problem with uh, broken wind turbine, every parts of it. Um, well, now so, there there are. Yeah, I, I could send you a YouTube on that. But I don't. Yes, I don't so know if you. Not working. I don't know if you've heard about the newer vertical uh, turbines uh, that that basically just spin vertically, or uh, there's a, a new one that just came out that uh, it doesn't have any turbines. It just oscillates, uh, and it's kind of a whole thing. Looks like a odd big pole. Is is huh. generating uh, electricity through wind something that you would support if it uh, if it didn't have those kinds of problems? If it didn't have any of the problems that we're incurring now, yes, I would take a look at it for sure. Okay, because 
we would love that. Well, and, and, and you acknowledge that we need more energy, don't you? We do. We do. We just need to do it correctly. And, and throwing millions and billions of dollars at these kind of green projects that don't work is not it. Now, this last year, um, your opponent, Don Addis, uh, pushed through the assembly, uh, I believe it was uh, Assembly Bill 80, and it sets up uh, a study uh, group to examine what the effects of putting the offshore wind turbines uh, off northern Santa, San Luis Obispo County, what those effects would be. Um, it, and you, you seem to think that... Um, she was pushing uh, wind energy there. Do you, what, give us a little bit more information about uh, why you think you would be uh, a different representative on that issue. We already know that it doesn't work. So AB80 is just another nonprofit organization to oversee the research. The research, the data, it, they're already hard points. They are already showing that our wind turbines floating inland, they do not work the way they should. They're killing birds, including the ones on special lists that who want to, like the eagle. And in the ocean, there's even more devastation. So the data points are already there. We don't need another nonprofit to oversee the research. The research is already there. It's already point blank in your face. 90% of the fisheries on the northeast coast of our United States of America are in dire straits because of the floating wind turbines and the anchored wind turbines as well. They don't work. They're just destructive. So well, let me let me that. Let me play devil's advocate a little bit with you here. Okay. Um, and um, just for your edification, I was a commissioner for 10 years on the Port San Luis Harbor Commission, so I I got fairly familiar with the uh, uh, lens and the way the ocean uh, drops off here, uh, and mm-hmm. had uh, lots of contact and good relations with fishermen uh, in this area. Um, what what all of that research on the East Coast uh, depends on is that you have a very shallow uh, and very long uh, tidelands that stretches far, far from the coast out to sea. And so um, you've got fisheries over those shallow tidelands, and you certainly have uh, uh, whales and marine mammals uh, there that uh, migrate. On the West Coast... We have a very steep drop-off uh, from mm-hmm. the coast uh, down into the Pacific, and uh, I've I've stood many times at uh, the Point San Luis Lighthouse and observed the whales migrating up the coast. Now, this this isn't scientific; it's just anecdotal. And but what mm-hmm. you what you see when the whales are migrating is they they basically stay fairly close to the at least the ones on the surface, are fairly close to the um, shore, uh, which is where the feed is. Uh, and and they're not... In fact, you can see them arcing. Uh, we have all these bays uh, going up and down the coast, these uh, half-moon bays, and they actually have a half-moon uh, journey that they take up the coast. Um, do you think that the research that was done on the East Coast, on the Northeast, is going to apply mm-hmm. to 
the fisheries and the uh, marine mammals here on the West Coast when we have such significantly different conditions. And added to that, the uh, these leases are 20 miles offshore. They, they start 20 it's, miles offshore. The, yes, and they it was even proposed by my opponent, Don Addis, to put them even more offshore before because of what was going on on the East Coast. I see. It okay. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What's happening under the water, it sounds like clapping, like if someone was clapping in your ear constantly, it is showing that no matter what, the larvae is getting affected because of the sonar. Interesting. Okay. What, what, what you can hear under the water. And whales and calves are being separated because of that. Just like we have almost a million bats that have been killed because of the wind turbines themselves because of the sonar. So no matter where you put them in the ocean, you're, you're going to have the same effect, whether it's close to the shore or, and like you said, our drop-off. Absolutely right, Sue. But the same effect is going to happen. You're going to have the whale deaths. You're going to have calves separated from their mothers because they get disoriented. Okay. You still have... Go ahead. <laughs> so no, no, I'm, I'm, I get my data from I'm, I'm the majority listening. of my data from reactalliance.org. If you go to that website, you've got point blank data uh, that they've been collecting. And it, the ocean is the ocean, whether you got the shallow or the drop off, you're still going to get the same effect. The same sound effects. Um, yes. To interfere yes. with things. Okay. I, uh, exactly. That, that's very interesting, Del- Del- Delilah. Uh, <laughs> Delilah. Um, now, um, I wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit, and let's talk with our listeners about you. Um, so I've got some personal questions. Uh, sure. Name the two presidents in your lifetime you most respect. Oh, hands down, Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. Okay. And which California governor, senator, or legislator do you think has had the most positive effect in the last 20 years? I would say Shannon Grove, James Gallagher, and Kevin Kiley. And why? Oh, Shannon Grove (laughs) is all about the children. I really respect uh, her battle, SB 14 being beautiful. Uh, Kevin Kiley going after Newsom, and the he's so constitutional. I love the way he went after him and stood his ground and won in court cases against what Governor Newsom has been trying to do. Um, and then uh, James Gallagher, he continues to fight and battle everything that's going on, even though we are the minority there. He continues to stand and fight. Okay. So, well, now the reverse of that question, uh, what... Uh California governor, senator, or legislator in your lifetime has had the most negative effect on the state? Well, for sure, it's going to be Wiener and Buffy Wicks and Newsom. And again, the the question is, why? Oh, uh, Wiener because of his, the bills. The bills that he's been authoring has been absolutely devastating for California children and families. And then we've got uh, Buffy Wicks, AB 2223, that's the infanticide bill. And then Newsom, with everything that he did, 
especially during COVID, was the exact opposite of what could have happened. I mean, that's why small businesses have fleed California, and that's why we have such a devastating effect on families and family-owned businesses as well. So everything that we are incurring right now, it, it was not necessary, not necessary at all, everything that Newsom has done. Okay. Just well, we're going to spend a little more time getting to know you for our listeners, and, and we're coming up on a hard break in a couple of minutes, but uh, we'll come back to some some significant issues. Um, what newspapers do you read? Oh, I love Epic Times. Okay. From, uh, we call it Epoch Times, and also OAN News, OneAmericanNews.com. Okay. Uh, well, and that's a TV or cable station, right? One it American is. News? Yes, it okay. is. And then are there magazines that uh, you uh, you read for information? Yes, I really like The New American and also uh, Howard Jarvis, Taxpayer's Resource. Okay. And here's a tough one. What is your favorite fiction author? Or who is your favorite fiction author? Oh, my goodness, it's I can, I can only pick one. Um, let's see. You can pick a couple. <laughs> um, can I can I choose the Bible? <laughs> well, there's a couple of authors there. Yes, <laughs> but yes. I would say. Okay, okay let's just right. say. Yeah, I, most um, people don't think is, the Bible is fiction. Is Luke, I love Luke. Luke is good. The author of Luke and the Bible. <laughs> a Roman who came to study the uh, the Christians. And uh, that's probably your favorite history author, too. Well, first of all, I want to tell you that next week, if you tune in, you're going to actually listen to uh, one of my guests is Tim Ranzetta. He's the founder of Californians for Financial Education. So that's going to be something you're going to want to know about. But we're coming up on a hard break. Folks, this is Stu Jenkins with Slow County Public Policy and the Law. And we're having a really good discussion with Dalila Epperson, who is the Republican candidate for state assembly in the 30th district. Stay tuned after this news break. Oh. 